Welcome to the Cinephile Hissy Fit Podcast, the tirade-filled movie debate podcast hosted by two film critics, cool dads, and struggling teachers. I'm Don Shanahan. And I'm... I got nothing today. Every time our guest, our special guest comes on, Mm-hmm. I, I, she takes all the wit out of me because she's, she's just so <laughs> smart. She's so smart and just good. Like it just sucks out. So I, I'm just Will Johnson. Wow. I, got I got no nicknames today. So hold on, hold on. Our Gust, our, our guest, guest, Gust, our, our guest. See, see, yeah, right? you just turned into a bumbling moron wow. around her. Yeah. I don't want to, I don't want to say this, but now she's sucking two of us off, but only for our wit and not other things. <laughs> oh, Lord Jesus. Yep. Sorry, see, okay, I knew we, would get I, we did the I porn am, nickname thing last time. This is not par for the course here. Come I on. I am out of this one. I have nothing to do. This is okay. not a script. This is not a script. <laughs> Loyal listeners. If you recognize that snickering giggle, Barbara Vandenberg of USA Today is back with us today. And we're damn glad to have her and all of you, ladies and gentlemen, this is all for tantrum sake. We're shared passions and high fives watching away any place for hate and semen off of sashes though that's the green knight sorry um in the end we encourage you all to love what you love but for now the gloves are off and the hissy fit is on this week i i'm not sure either (laughs) pta brings it out of us we're gonna cook up some mushrooms next is that what's happening here because last time we had barbara vandenberg and i don't think this episode has actually aired yet by the time of this taping so we're all in the we're all in the void of weird online friendship at this point but this week we have barbara vandenberg back here to talk about licorice pizza from paul thomas anderson we are recording this about a week and a half before the oscars so we're kind of in that zone of like hey how's the legacy of this movie immediately kind of formed and gone and will is fresh out of seeing it so um Mm -hmm. we got together this week he's on spring break from work where we're like let's record every damn thing in the whole wide world while we have time and barbara vandenberg is back here to make this a classier event despite us talking about (laughs) sucking people off we're already talking about sucking off and semen so i mean i don't know i i can do nothing but class this up (laughs) right right thank you very much for that happening here yes i i you know, now that uh, all of yeah. the teachers in my staff know the name mm-hmm. of the podcast right. and know about <laughs> it from our Phoenix New Times, I cannot wait for the next staff meeting where we talk about you know, uh, whatever the yeah. hell just happened right now. You know, Will is a, as a single man, Will. Like- as a single man, Will, you're a delicious snack that maybe deserves a little action from this. I'm just saying. I, I, I'm. What you were you were saying, Barbara? <laughs> what were you saying? I was just gonna say that the the, the you know, it's surprisingly racy talk for what is I think at heart a relatively chaste film. You know what? You're right. And that is the segue we need to dig out of this hole. So the recommending (laughs) lover of this film and our guest will go first. Uh, They will get five uninterrupted minutes to shower her praise and state her high-minded case for Paul Thomas Anderson's latest film. The haters, if if they do exist or whatever, the second two clowns that are the Will and I will go next (laughs) with our own five uninterrupted minutes of each of us to present any counterpoints or agreements and et cetera with any kind of manner of intellectual scorched earth and far less bodily fluids. After that, we will open it up for 15 or 25 or 55 minutes of shared conversation where the hissy fit really gets chippy. I'm still healing from my power of the dog bruises from Barbara, so (laughs) I'm ready for this. And I hope it's just a matter of, you know, other things hitting me in the face. As long as it's not Bradley Cooper hitting me in the face. So, ladies and gentlemen, (laughs) let's go. Barbara, welcome back. Thank you. Yeah. Um, we'll we'll I, we'll still dumbfounded. He was going to do this cute introduction with Oscar talk, and he, he's over there thinking about getting sucked off. Still great. Oh my god, this is the weirdest well, show we've ever been on. Um, yeah, 
So I, I, I'll, I, I am going to go easier on all of you on this one than I am Ooh. than I did The Power of the Dog because it's the kind of film I can completely understand not liking very much. Okay. Um, and I am part- a particular Paul Thomas Anderson fangirl. So. I, I know that I don't have kind of the perspective to analyze this movie as critically maybe as I need to. So I'm a little bit more receptive to criticisms of this one. Okay. Um, Shall I we start your clock? Yes, let's start my clock. Oh, fire away. Do you need us to keep it or you got it on your spot? I got it. I got it. I'm ready to go. Atta, awesome. I'll be ready with the bell. Enjoy your time. All right. So licorice pizza does not have much in the way of the plot uh, of a plot. It's sort of, an improved version, I think, of what Paul Thomas Anderson was doing in Inherent Vice. It's a very shaggy, ambling, pretty much plotless romp through 1973 San Fernando Valley, California. Um, and what I what what particularly works for me about Licorice Pizza is that it centers a woman, Alana Hyam, a, a young woman who did very decidedly does not have her life together. She is a hot mess. She starts the movie a hot mess. She very much ends the movie a hot mess. And I really appreciate a movie in which a young woman is given the space to be a hot mess. Um, And the film centers her experience. So for people who haven't seen the movie, Alana Hyam is 25 years old. She works uh for a photography company that is taking high school portraits of students and she's going through the line holding up mirrors and combs helping you know pimple-faced greasy teenage boys get ready for their photos and gary valentine played by philip seymour hoffman's son uh cooper hoffman starts putting the moves on her and there's a 10 year age difference, which I'm sure we'll talk about because everyone else has talked about it. Um, there's a 10 year age difference. He's 15 years old. He starts hitting on her and he, he asks her out and he's sort of like the, the car, uh, the dog that caught the car and she shows up and they begin this very sort of Peter Pan and Wendy friendship slash quasi. Maybe it is, maybe it isn't relationship where this 25 year old hot mess of a woman is hanging out with these 15 year old boys getting into various scrapes and hijinks uh in southern california they start a waterbed company they open a pinball palace uh there is you know very little rhyme or reason or connective tissue between all of these things um gary valentine is a young child actor they go on a lot of adventures in in film and cinema um it's plotless so if plot is something that you really value in a film licorice pizza might be really frustrating i have a lot of patience with plotless things i have a lot of patience with slow moving films i found this though not to be slow moving i found it to be incredibly entertaining one of the funniest films i saw all year and with some of the most entertaining like 10 minute supporting performances you know of the entire oscar season i do not like sean penn don't like him as a person don't like him as an actor i was delighted by sean penn playing this like william holden type actor 
who's incredibly alcoholic and self-obsessed. Uh, there was a great supporting performance by Tom Waits, whom I'm convinced should be in every movie. Bradley Cooper. I have a lot of Bradley Cooper trauma. Um, I, when I was like a, no, I do. I, when I was a baby oh. reporter, when I, no, I'm serious. When I was a baby reporter, when I was just starting, I had to interview Bradley Cooper for um, an indie film. And I did not know what I was doing. And Bradley Cooper is infamously very, very difficult to interview. And he was very like taciturn and cold and um, monosyllabic with me. And I had like more flop sweat trying to interview Bradley Cooper than I've ever had in my entire life. And it ruined me as a person for a long time. So I have like a lot of residual trauma. And when I see him, I get terrified. I think he should, I think he should have been nominated and should have won an Oscar for his 10 minute comedic performance in this film. I think he's just brilliant. So it's, Mm -hmm. it's just an incredibly entertaining romp through a very specific time and place. Um, And I was delighted by it. And I completely understand not being delighted by it. So I'm not going to go that hard on you guys. Or I should say Will specifically. I know he had a lot of issues with the film. But um, I just, it just filled me with joy. I've seen it twice. I was filled with joy and not bored every single second of it. And that's my Barbara, well done. Nicely done. Nicely done. Nice. I'm, I'm sorry about sure. Bradley Cooper, man. That's, I know. What, that's which, uh, he seems so that. nice. He seems so he's nice. Not, like, no, he is. Well, I mean, it's like kind of. I've heard what you've heard I, that he could be yeah, that guy. It's it's a thing that I know now, like in the yeah. business, that he is purposefully very difficult to interview. It's like mm. he's not into that part of the game. And which, and that's which fine. indie film was that, like, Barbara? It was a movie called The Words. I with that one. With Zoe Saldana. With Zoe Saldana. And his mm-hmm. friend, this is what drove me crazy. His friend directed it. I think they were from Philadelphia. Right. His friend directed it. So very small indie film that his friend directed. And so it was a joint interview with him and his friend. And he just wouldn't talk. And I'm Yikes. like, you know, I get it when you're like the A-lister and it's for a movie that's going to do well no matter what. But this is an indie film that your friend is doing. Maybe just show up a little bit right yeah boosted up a little bit yeah because he was on the cut that year i remember yeah he was on the he hit it he hit a big with hangover and that was one of the mm-hmm. residual little things he had in the can that was gonna you know propel a, or at least it was something he could have championed and helped and that thing right. bombed too so, so i have yeah. a lot Damn. of hard feelings i have a lot of hard feelings because like it was traumatic it was like a traumatic interview for me but yeah. you know, he wouldn't remember it but it was traumatic to me but he's so fucking good in this movie i'm like give him the oscar give him well, the oscar. i i was i mean don do you mind if i go next because i actually wanted to talk about bradley cooper and now i okay. feel guilty about Take talking it. about bradley cooper um all right i'm gonna start my time here so we'll segue into it. that we'll segue to the bradley cooper stuff anytime bradley cooper was on screen uh and this might be a spoiler for don because we haven't recorded it yet but if you've listened to the episode you have heard it but uh Bradley Cooper in Nightmare Alley is one of my snubs for best actor. I, I think he's having a great year. Uh, I'm with Barbara on like, I don't really like Sean Penn that much, but he was great. Like to me, like really good movies, good directors can make you feel certain ways about people. And I think that's working with Barbara. She's got trauma with Bradley Cooper, but to me, that was the best part of the movie. Like I gave it a whole star just because of his presence in the movie. He's energetic. He was frightening. He's hilarious. 
you know, like he's got this energy that's just hard to beat. And and anytime you have an episodic movie, um, you need you need characters like that to really propel it forward. Um, so here's the thing: uh, I know Don's not a huge fan of um, like hangout movies and things. Like I, you know, I loved love, 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 love Days and Confused, and I love love, 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 love Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. And I just love movies like that, especially when they really transport me to a place and time. Um, so I like hangout movies. I like seventies movies. Like I like movies that take place in the seventies and I like, um, what was the other part? Uh, let's see. I lost my, my train of thought. What was I saying here? I like seventies. Okay. So I like, I like hangout movies. I like seventies period pieces and I like episodic, uh, movies, especially if they have really compelling characters. But this is just one of those cases where, like, you know, all three did not work for me in this one. Um, Inherent Vice, which was brought up, is a film that I didn't love um, because I find the pension plot developments kind of insane. And I think it was handled better, uh, oddly enough, in in directors that I really don't like that much, like the Coen brothers with... um, uh, the Big Lebowski, because The Big Lebowski was kind of making fun of the fact that um, all of those like Raymond Chandler books and stuff are so convoluted and insane that they don't make any sense. But that was kind of the point of The Big Lebowski is that he just kept getting into more mischief and craziness, and the plot was just so obscure and weird. This like Inherent Vice was kind of like that, but they wanted you to take it seriously. Like here, this is the serious like. If you don't, if you can't follow this plot, then you're just not paying attention, which is a little much because the plot's insane in that movie. But one thing I will give Inherent Vice that I love, 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 and I still think about it, and I only recently watched it because uh, viewers, listeners of the show know that I am very new to PTA. I'd only seen Boogie Nights until this year, and now I've watched There Will Be Blood, Phantom Thread, uh, Inherent Vice, and this. Um Licorice Pizza. But Inherent Vice, it was magical. It gave me the Richard Linklater feeling that I was in that place and time. Like I was truly transported. Licorice Pizza has all the production value and the nice looks and everything, but I never felt once that I was there. And I know that that's something a lot of critics are praising, but I think, I don't know if it just didn't hit me right or what, but like, I just, I didn't want to hang out with the characters. I didn't feel like the seventies was authentic and the episodic stuff outside of, um, Bradley Cooper just didn't grab me. Like you don't have to have likable characters in your, in your movie. And PTA is really good about making good movies with unlikable people. I mean, we've talked about on this show, one that we've released already when we haven't, you know, with Phantom Thread and um, there will be blood. Those are awful people, (laughs) but you know, they don't have to be likable, but you have to be somewhat invested. And like you said, I think Don had mentioned that the movie's kind of aimless and you said there is no plot, but like Cooper Hoffman's character, I, I, I didn't really like him. Like he has that used car salesman-ness to him that I'm not really infatuated with. And, uh, Alana Haim, I, you know, I, I don't think she was as transcendent as everyone said. Um, she, she was, I think she was good. Um, but it almost reminds me of what's that term? And Barbara, you can fill me in if I, if I say this wrong, but wasn't there this thing in the nineties, like the manic pixie girl kind of thing? What was that called? Manic pixie dream girl. 
Manic, manic pixie. This feels like a seventies version of that. Like this, this ah. unrealistic, this unrealistic boys fantasy of like what a woman is like. And then I also read, and I only have, I only have 10 more seconds left, but I had also read that apparently PTA had a crush as a kid on Elena Ham's mom. So this kind of gets into weird territory for me. So that's where I'll <laughs> leave my thoughts. All right. All right. I, I I know I'm in the final hater slot, but I find myself very much in the middle and that's okay. Um, no, uh, PTA can make as sharp and as slick of a movie as, as you ask for. Like the chops, man, are all there. You know, cool camera angles, nice setups, well-edited movie. And, you know, and dif- discover these performances from, you know, Alana Haim and, and of course, Cooper Hoffman are just play- people I didn't see coming off coming out and doing what they did in the, these particular movies. And I'm, I'm more closer to Barbara when it comes to Alana, where she was wonderful, you know, just a, an empowered character, given a lot of room to, to act and be, and, and to change and, and morph with, with the way that behaviors and things go and with the time and the way that the structure and, and structure is a strong word, but just the way the movie kind of thrusts her into different things and places she has to go. And, and I, and I really enjoyed following her arc of what, what, what she could manage and what she can kind of, you know, push, bring closer to her, then also push away. And just, I, I was definitely compelled by just watching how, how is it going to turn out for her? Cooper Hoffman, not so much. Um, I really respect the young kid and what he as a debut and what he can be as a talent. Um, man, the signs are there that he can be uh, really something. And, and I appreciate what he can do. I just don't. And here we are with seeing with, you know, unlikable characters where, I wasn't as, you know, for, you know, for, you know, fawning all over, you know, what he was as this child actor and having the mat, you know, the waterbed business and all that. And some of his ups and downs and, and twists and turns just really weren't very compelling to me. Whereas Lana is out there. You feel like she's on the edge of a diving board every single time into something. And I enjoyed that aspect of where her character goes and where that movie goes. And, I'm okay with hangout movies. I, I don't, I can, I can handle them when they, when they have a place to hang out. And, but I do admit that I, I'm that kind of guy who could use a little structure, can use an arc or, you know, have a, have a bit of a, I don't want to say a deadline to where the hangout goes, but a, an end point, or at least a, a springboard into something that, you know, is a stopping point or a place where one thing can start and another thing can begin. And, and, and with Will's to Will's point, yeah, the supportive pieces of the movie are are something you definitely need to kind of give this movie a little bounce to to you know to get from place to place. And what I'm and I'm with all of you then to kind of echo where we're going. Bradley Cooper, who I I would love, you know, just if this movie was one of those one wild night movies, like the movie like Doug Liman's Go, or or um, even a Days to Confuse kind of night where that's more of a week than in one night, but a lot of it happens on one night. Where if this was two hours of getting out of a John Peters pickle with Bradley Cooper looming and doing this all <laughs> over the thing, like you know that you know girl and her underage little you know boy toy wannabe person are stuck in this place with you know Cooper doing whatever he's doing, I would watch that one wild night movie for two hours and be enthralled. The episode with that with Cooper and the stolen truck and all that is is the easily the best part of the movie for me, which I really just got a kick out of and enjoy. Where I, that was the edge of my seat part, where I'm like, oh man, let's see how this turns out. The stuff before, the stuff after, not so much. Uh, I, I'm one of those people where I don't really cancel anybody. Where 
Sean Penn, I could take or leave, but at the same time, I'm saying it in that kind of way where I can kind of take or leave. Uh, his his little episode, if we want to say it like that, his little piece of the movie, I was okay. I didn't find it as as interesting or compelling as the Cooper stuff or or exciting or or humorous. But yeah, same thing. When Cooper's there, it's it, the movie hits another gear, literally and figuratively, and I'm okay with that. I do appreciate. Um, just the roots of where this movie comes from, because uh, I was lucky enough to see this through the critic screening kind of process of the voting and critics association and all that. And the screening I had of this had a, um, had an, uh, a long extensive interview afterwards between Pete Hammond and PTA where you can, uh, Pete's a pretty decent little question asker where you just kind of learn where his headspace was at to make this movie, where the, some of the inspirations were, where the homages were. And, yeah, I was able to come out of that appreciating it more than I was more than I did when I was watching. Because when I was watching it, I, yeah, I'm checking my watch. I'm, I'm, you know, enjoying the '70s details to a point, but at the same time, I'm like, yeah, what's this all for? So, but to hear PTA talk about it and kind of bolster what was the the personal reflections and the personal pieces helped it helped it a lot and and to and to be able to kind of step back and realize that he gave that personal touch or put that personal uh love into it into a female character was something i was willing to willing to at the time greatly appreciate i think the man's done better things i know he's up for an oscar this particular weekend that you know before we're recording this where and he's overdue I don't think this is the movie he deserves to win an Oscar for. It's a nice little, you know, slow down piece for him coming from something like Phantom Thread. And, and as usual, you know, he's appointment viewing where I can't wait to see what he does next. But yeah, this was, this is a fine way of hanging out. Not a, not super special, not super amazing. There's parts I'll come back to again and go, gosh, wasn't that a fun little thing? But at the same time, yeah, I, I don't want to say, I'm not going to be a turning red mom over here that says, Oh, you had to be there. I'm like, I don't have to be there in 1973 to have a good time. There's enough good time had here, but I, now I'll watch boogie nights again. Thanks. You know, (laughs) all right. Um, with all of our little pieces and portions kind of done here for a second, it's time that we, uh, enjoy a short announcement from the ruminations radio network. You've been listening to another fine, fine podcast on the rumination radio network. This is Game Agent E.T. from Oh God, It Hurts! And we hope you keep on listening to our fine, fine podcasts here on RuminationsRadioNetwork.com. All right, welcome back. It is time for open discussion, and I'm not going first. I want to push back on something Will said. Oh God, do it. (laughs) Get his ass. Fire up the grill. his ass. You're off the hook this time. I'm getting out of it. Hell yes. Lightly push back on something. When you said that Alana's character to you Mm. was reminiscent of a manic pixie dream girl, that she had this sort of like manic, I keep saying manny, manic pixie dream girl (laughs) Mm -hmm. sort of quality or element or vibe to you. And I just want to push back on that a little bit. Okay. Because the important thing about the manic pixie dream girl trope or stock character type. Mm-hmm. Is that she exists only in the imagination of like the sensitive man that the movie focuses on, right? Like, like mm. the movie is still completely focused on the sensitive right. man at the center oh, of the gosh, film, yes. and the manic pixie dream girl is there to help himself realize. Mm. 
And, I and how how this, insufferable is that every single time they do it? Incredibly well, insufferable. And I, I hate 500 days of sun here. with the patch. I hate it too. I would say it doesn't apply here because Alana Hyam is the main character. She's the mm -hmm. main character, not Cooper Hoffman. She's the protagonist. Gotcha. And the film is about her arc, not about Cooper Hoffman's arc. And so I think I by it. default, she's not really a manic pixie dream girl. And she's incredibly fucked up and really unpleasant for most of the film. Right? That's true. Right? So two, two things. One, I will say, in terms of manic pixie dream girl working, I would point to Chunking Express where that does work. Um, it's a fair place. It, in general, it does not work. Um, mm -hmm. I agree. And I was just using it generally. I mean, yes, I think she's a little bit more, she's not purely a fantasy. However, just knowing a little bit of the backstory of PTA and his relationship with this family and his like feelings towards like this character's mom, probably with the same age difference, putting his personal not politics, but personal feelings into this. And yeah, putting, I know, I know that uh, Cooper Hoffman's not the main character, but unfortunately from a visual standpoint, we are seeing her through the male gaze quite consistently, whether she's the main mm -hmm. character or not, she's kind of always running around in her underwear. She's, she's always kind of got, I don't know. She's just kind of always, there for the male to gaze upon and i, I don't know but, how independent or liberating that is sure. it's a but good look how, but, but look how that, that look how that. that plays out in the movie though like it, even when she's there she doesn't get trapped by it fall for it or get totally supplanted by it you know well, like well the entire movie is about you know, other grown men objectifying her, right? So you've of got course, Sean right, right. Penn, you've got Sean Penn who can't remember her name, and he uses right. her as a prop and a stunt, right? He 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 brings her around like a like a prop, and mm -hmm. like doesn't even realize she's fallen off the motorcycle. Like she's just a nameless prop to him. You've got Bradley Cooper who's coked out and trying to fuck everything that moves. <laughs> does, right. do, does not know or care about her he sees her again on the street and doesn't recognize her you know because yeah. it was just a fleeting thing that he could try to fuck in the moment you've got right. benny safty as the gay yeah, politician yeah. Mm -hmm. who's using her as a prop to mask his sexuality like you've got right. all of these grown men who are not treating her as an actualized human being so she is like an object of male Mm -hmm. desire but that's what the movie's critiquing in part yes i agree it's aware of it mm -hmm. oh yeah i, I but I, I think like it comes down to the execution and and it worked for you didn't work for me i, I just kind of feel like i was still seeing more fantasy than realism with this character and that might fit into the cooper hoffman character because he is only 15 but then, like you said, you do have these other aspects, which I really liked. I like the Benny Safdie um, character. Um, I also like, uh, speaking of the objectification and stuff, it wasn't limited to just men. I, I really loved the scene. I, I said, I'll say I loved it. Um, with great character actress Harriet Sansom Harris. If there's any Frasier fans out there, she was B.B. Glazer, the Frasier's like sex crazed assistant. Like she's, she's in a lot of, she's in a lot of his like PTA's films. She was like the casting agent that was like, you have such oh, a Jewish nose. And, yeah, no, she's, she's okay. one of those characters, those character actors. Whenever she shows up, she will give you 110%. She was in phantom thread. She was the drunk. 
She um, was Barbara. Her name is Barbara yeah. in Phantom Thread yes. because, uh, <laughs> yeah. because Daniel Day-Lewis says, take the fucking dress off, Barbara. And I just like, leave, my soul leaves my body every time I hear it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but so, I mean, it, it wasn't just men to it. It was kind of like the entertainment objectification. I just... Oh, yeah, because she's asking her, like, will you take your shirt off? You're going to lose roles mm-hmm. if you don't take your shirt off. Uh, and then she's telling her, like, how desirable is she is because she's Jewish. Jewish is very in. Jewish noses are very hot right now. So, like, everything about her, even by this woman, is being, like, deconstructed and objectified. Well, and it's I don't know if because I've watched Inherent Vice so closely to this, there's that very bizarre sex scene in Inherent Vice that kind of tripped me up too, because like, I've never felt like when I watch his movies, like even a movie about porn, I never felt like, yeah, there's that one shot of Heather Graham taking her top off. And there is the extended sex scene with Julianne Moore and Mark Wahlberg, but it actually is plot driven. But like, I've never watched PTA's films and felt like the objectification factor, but I feel like with Inherent Vice and this, I just feel like even if they're saying Mm. strong things, here's, here's my weird Here's my weird uh, comparison of the day because I always make oh, weird boy. comparisons to stuff. Strange. You're going to top. Did you're going to top manic pixie dream girl. Did Did any of you guys see the Woodstock documentary? Woodstock '99 documentary. Mm-hmm. <sighs> no, I have not. Okay, I did. So here's the Fire thing. Away, Barbara. Here's the thing. That that movie does a wonderful job of explaining. Holy crap! There was a lot of people being sexually mishandled in that movie. Women, right? Mm-hmm. And and it makes an excellent point about that. However, it also has literally 400 shots of the women taking their tops off when you could easily mm-hmm. blur that out because you're seeing moments where they are literally being molested. And it's like, look how bad that is. But then it, it'll cut to like a, a hypercut of like 15 women taking their tops off. And it kind of defeats the purpose a little bit of you, you're still objectifying because if if it really is... I mean, it is a big deal. Don't get me wrong. But what I'm saying is if you're making this point that these women should not be touched for showing their breasts, don't show their breasts. Like, blur it out. Like, you don't have to show the breasts to make your point. So I kind of feel like with this, they are making up some great things about objectification, but at the same time, a lot of nipples coming out. They literally don't show a lot of Hyam's breasts. She flashes him, and literally it's from the back. No, no, no. Look at the poster. Look at the poster of it. We're we're going to debate hard nips. Exactly. No, I don't. I know, and I don't want to. No, no, no. I don't want to sound like I don't want to sound like a big prude. I'm not. I'm just saying. I, I just felt like there was a lot of. It, it feels like it went two steps forward, one step back to me. That's all. It just felt mm-hmm. like that. You are high, is what yep. I think. I would love yep. to have been high when I watched this. I maybe I would have enjoyed it more. <laughs> I think you would have. I think I would have enjoyed Inherent Vice if I did drugs because I That's and true. I disagree. You said something That's... about Inherent Vice. I haven't seen it recently, so I don't want to get into a big Inherent Vice thing. But I, sure. I, I don't think that you're meant to understand or take seriously the plot of Inherent Vice. I, I very much disagree with mm-hmm. that. I think you're just supposed mm-hmm. to float up. I think you're supposed yeah. to float on the wave of it but i think you're it's supposed like to be high and float on the wave of it and i don't do mm. drugs so i feel like I'm at it loses me same here a disadvantage sure yeah no, no, that, that's that's fair i just think that the comedy of it worked better in something like um big lebowski where they're sure kind of 
mentioning how it's it's a joke, how convoluted yeah. it is. Whereas I thought I felt with like inherent vice, there wasn't that yeah. there was like a tonal issue there. And then like I said, with that weird sex scene in Inherent Vice, I just got this weird It is a weird sex scene. It is I got weird. a very I, I, I just think- I think you're supposed to be on a shitload of drugs is what I think you're supposed to be. <laughs> fair enough. And that, and that's totally fair, but I, yeah. And I, I totally sound like the prudish weird person, but I, I don't know. I just, like I said, I, I don't think it's bad. I think it's a solid complex female character, but I just think that mm. it, it, it just suffers a little bit too much from the male gaze of it. If that makes sense. I don't know how to describe that better. I, 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 I see here, I'm in, you know, my five minutes, I'm tipping the hat to PTA, you know, giving a strong female character, strong female places to go where I, I, I can't go there that, that far with it. I, I see what, no, I, I, no, I can't see what you're saying. Well, I think <laughs> I, 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 normally I try to apologize for you a little bit and be like, yeah, sure, brother. I got what you're at, but no, I don't on this one, uh, especially because this is PTA doing easily like the lightest thing he's ever done. Like we're having fun here. This is a, a dalliance of a movie, you know, and we have, you know, different episodes, different little comedy setups, different little long form scenes that pay off in odd little ways of courtship and, and confidence and creepiness. And all those little emotions are there in, in fun little ways that it normally would may, maybe be either, yeah, like you said, coked out with drugs or doing gloom in a different way. So I, I kind of appreciated the mood and the tone that, came from this movie and hearing PTA talk about it afterwards. I'm like, yeah, look at you. He came from, he came from a very positive place to make this movie. And how, sure. now how, sure. how many drugs were in there on that? I don't know, but Hey, he made, <laughs> made a fun time. So. Speaking. Can you guys clarify a plot point for, or a plot point? But so speaking of creepy, there's a guy that has plot points. <laughs> right. Yeah. There, oh there is a, there is a gentleman um, credited as creepy person and he's the guy that wears the number 12 shirt Mm -hmm. was he a reporter or was he a former lover that's what i'm trying to figure out i don't know i think he was being i mean i think it could be either of those things i don't think the film clarifies but i was under the impression that he's just spying for somebody i don't know if it's for himself i don't know if it's for a newspaper i don't know if it's for a tabloid he's just spying on him because he's there at the dinner and he calls Alana to come meet him at the dinner to walk his boyfriend home because people are watching him and right. that guy right. is there. So my right. impression is just he's trying to catch him out in something. I don't know if it's because he's a former lover or if he's just a spy for maybe a spy for the opposing campaign. Like, I don't know. Huh. Huh. Yeah, I just no. I found that I found that a little interesting. I, I the more I think about the film, and this is probably the problem with seeing a film, and then especially a film like a PTA film, which 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 uh, deserves deeper reflection than a lot of films, and that might be the, the I might be the prisoner of the moment, just trying to put a lot of thoughts together when I just saw it literally five hours ago. So yeah, uh, you know, if I sit on it, like I said, just thinking now, I'm thinking of things I really liked about it, you know, as opposed to my initial mm-hmm. reaction, which was that I didn't. Yeah. So. Maybe I'll come around to. I'm not going to apologize for my viewpoint on it. I I just feel <laughs> yeah. that Never. that's the feeling I got. <laughs> right, right, that's the feeling I got, and 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 it's. I like that there is a female voice on this podcast right now that's refuting that because that could be me, even me subconsciously subconsciously doing the white knight thing where I'm looking out for mm. the women, and I'm not intentionally trying to do that. But you know, maybe I'm just oversensitive to it. I don't know. I, I maybe so I, I like that. 
there is a female voice on this podcast right now refuting that. And that's good. That's a good thing because it, it can change my viewpoints of how those things are looked at. So you would do right to listen to her. <laughs> sure. oh, no. no, of course. Put, well, it, put, and, put it on a plaque. Put it on a plaque. Uh-huh. Oh, stone. God. <laughs> well, speaking I t- of, I, I do, oh, go ahead, go ahead, Don. Go ahead. I got, I got one thing. I'll, I'll, I'll really compliment about the film. It, as much as it is aimless and plotless, it does take the whole courtship story that you know sometimes has overdetermined certainty when these things happen in movies, especially like when you get to the coming of age tropes that can kind of blend into with this. When you have Cooper Hoffman, like when he does the whole "I met the girl I'm going to marry one day," like oh great, so. I know the ending, you know, like it, it, it I, I'm happy that this one goes very up and down and serendipitous without being completely preposterous. Like I can see this happening in this day and age of the seventies, you know, before, before texting and the internet and social media, where a, a kid would see a girl like this be, you know, enraptured enough to kind of just pine and pine for a while and then get older to the point where he thinks he can maybe pine a little harder and, and, and still get, you know, pushed away and have a girl with enough, you know, wherewithal to be like, no dude, every single time, you know, and, or to just push, you know, just, I guess I don't want to say throw him a bone or two along the way, but just be like, Hey, I really appreciate that you're here. And I admire that you like admire me, but at the same time, this is not a determined certainty. And I like that PTA put it, one of those stories on the screen where it wasn't predictable, like, or it wasn't a foregone conclusion to things. Not a foreground. I mean, in the end, I mean, the final line of the picture is I love you. And they kind of walk off hand in hand for kissing, but I know what you're saying, but I will say that um, what I did and what I did like was that they, because a lot of people are focusing on the quote unquote problem, problematic nature of the story. Now, I agree. No, no, I agree to a little bit of an extent. I mean, only because like, imagine if this film switched it around, if it was a, uh, you know, 15 year old girl and a 25 year old man, it might be Mm. a little viewed a little bit differently, but I don't think it's that problematic because I've seen things from the annals of cinema. You have to add the, ah, at the end, because it's cinema. Agnes (laughs) Varda's Kung Fu master is one that comes to mind where like a 40 year old woman falls in love with a 12 year old and they literally like go off to an Island together and presumably have sex. So, you know, I mean, there's worse examples of this that have happened, but so I, I don't think it's like immensely problematic. But I, but I, what I do like to avoid some of that problematic stuff, and I think Barbara even said this is kind of a chaste film, is mm-hmm. that at various points the characters like just wander off with other people and make out with them, <laughs> like you know, like she, like um, uh, Alana, you know, kind of like falls for that actor kid and like starts to date him, uh, you know, and then there's a couple girls at the whatever event it was at the time. I don't know if it was the waterbeds or the uh, or pinballs or whatever. You know, uh, Cooper will run off, not Cooper, but uh, Hoffman will run off with a, a girl and make out with her in the bathroom. Like it's, they, they kind of kept it realistic to the point of like, the, they're not so like madly in love with each other that they're just giving each other all their attention. Like they actually have desires and wants within their own lane that they're supposed to be in 15 year olds and 25 year olds, if that makes sense. Yeah. Well, and like, like, you know, it is an incredibly chaste film. They, don't do anything with each other until the very end they share a kiss Mm -hmm. very quickly like it's very much got like a peter pan and windy frolicking in neverland sort of vibes like there's nothing really sexual happening she flashes him which we don't see 
big deal. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, some other girl in the bathroom talks about how he's trying to get hand jobs from everybody. Um, <laughs> she's going off and having like right. real adult dates and trying to get her life together and doing things with other people. So it's not, you know, an obsessive or sexual relationship. I do Agreed. wish the film had ended. I kind of take beef with the 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 very very ending of the film that it ends with this voiceover of her saying I love you, which is weird mm-hmm. and it makes me wonder if it's like in her head, if it's in his head because right before yeah. that she calls him an idiot. And I wish right. it had just ended with her calling him an idiot. <laughs> I would I would love that. Absolutely. Good question. Well, you know, it's that's kind of the theme a little bit because doesn't the uh, the gay guy say boyfriends are a waste of time and stupid. And yeah, you're right. She says he's an idiot because he basically says like, Hey, my wife, you know, my yeah, wife, he's like, Mrs. He's- Mrs. Mary <laughs> Valentine. And she's like, you idiot. And I wish it had yeah. just like ended there, but it shows them like running and then it's, <laughs> but it's like very pointedly a voiceover that says, I love you. And it's like, is that, is someone, is somebody imagining this? Is this actually like, does, did she really say that? Like, I, I don't know. I'm a little confounded by the ending. I get hmm. you. I get you on that one. Um, yeah. And I, 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 I think it's funny cause Don, I totally see what you're saying about it not being a foregone conclusion. It does kind of end in a foregone way, but it takes like, you don't realize that to like literally the last five seconds, whereas opposed right. to like a lot of rom-coms, it's like, Oh, we're in the final hall here, you know? So buckle mm-hmm. in. This is when they're going to have the big, you know, romance thing. And um, it ends with them getting together or kissing at least, but like, how long does this last? (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) How long is this possibly going to last before it falls the fuck apart? Right. And it's, I wish that uh, even with your, you're in, you're an idiot stuff. Like if that could have lingered or if you have to go longer, you know, make the bus scene from the graduate where you're like, wait, what the fuck did we just do? You know, Mm -hmm, like mm -hmm. you, you have something like that that throws a little doubt other than a voiceover of, I love you. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I wish okay. that it. I I would fine tune that ending. I it it. I find it a little baffling. Mm-hmm. Speaking of endings, we're at the Oscar season where you know mm-hmm. it's. I believe it's nominated just for screenplay, right? Nothing else got. No, it. no, it's best. No, it's right? nominated for best picture. Oh shit! Well, okay, never mind. No, and here's the updated. I, I wanted to tell you this betting odds? because okay, according to the betting odds, Licorice Ooh. Pizza is now over Belfast the favorite oh, wow. to win best screenplay right now. Oh, well, yeah, I'm like if you're going to... Man, I don't know. With that. I mean, I'm because... because uh, you're annoyed with I Belfast, like, Barbara, you said? I'm annoyed with Belfast. The black and white cinematography is doing a lot of dramatic heavy lifting in that film. That's true. <laughs> the writing is not doing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, I mean, I'm a Kenneth Branagh fanboy, so I kind of... And at this point, you can't... And here's the thing between those two screenplays, okay? Between uh-huh. Belfast and Liquor's Pizza, you can't necessarily say, well, one is owed over the other because uh, Paul Thomas Anderson has 11 nominations without a win and Kenneth Branagh has true. eight without a win. So it's like, yeah, really, like, whoever wins. But really, one of them is a lot better than the other. <laughs> so, uh, I don't know. I like Belfast I quite a bit. Love, too. I love kenneth branagh i loved kenneth branagh when i was a teenager in my early 20s he uh we don't need to go into depth here but like I feel oh like no the, we, the, we do what turns you off to kenneth branagh you, we must know i just don't think he's a very good director i don't like belfast mm. i think it's, it's doing a lot i think it's very precious it's using a very serious 
time and um, very serious and deadly time as a cutesy backdrop to do a nostalgic remembrance of his childhood that grapples with none of it. Uh, I believe that no. the black and white cinematography and the needle drops are doing all of the heavy lifting, and it's all mm. just a uh, it's all just a front with nothing behind it. I did not I, like Belfast. I I'm gonna I'm gonna like go actively back. disliked it. I'm gonna go against that just a little bit because, and I don't know if Don will support me on this or not, but being okay. teachers, being teachers, and and I, I'm a teacher in a really rough area. Some of, and I'm not saying it's like the troubles of area, yeah. but it's it's a rough area, like. I work in an equally rough area. Yeah, kids have this astounding ability to just persevere and ignore some of those heavy topics. And what I really loved about Belfast was that you would get these moments where the kid would catch conversations of heavy subject matter between Mm -hmm. his parents, just like I Mm -hmm. would when I was a kid, or just like these kids probably do that I teach when they go home. But then they just go outside and start playing. I mean, obviously, it's yeah. a little different now because they go on their phones and play Fortnite or whatever. But, <laughs> you know, there is there is this amazing ability for kids to, even in something like The Troubles or a bad neighborhood, to um, push it to the background. And, mm-hmm. even, and they can make even the craziest places um, romantic and cutesy. I, I know that sounds mm-hmm. nuts, but, like... I, 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 that's how I went with it. And the fact that that, that also happened to him as a person, that right. that was his story gives me authenticity with it. That's why I, I love Belfast because yeah, he, that's if his need- story. I mean, that's, that's Kenneth Branagh's life. I mean, really it is. And I think I, I think we said it on the show when we did Belfast, I said, it, I get that there's criticism of you didn't go hard enough into the history and the drama and the stakes and the setting and what's there. And I said, it's not a movie for that. The movie is portraying the kid part thing. And if you need the hard stuff, go find a Paul Greengrass movie. You'll but get it's it not there, that he doesn't know? even go hard into it. He doesn't go into it at all. Right? Oh, I like, think at, through at a kid's but view, no, how, much, how much does an 11-year-old doing lockdown how, stuff? There's enough there. Yeah, there, I don't know how much of an 11-year-old would understand. He plays to me like he's six in the film. Like that's how infantile that, that perspective is. I mean, maybe, yeah. maybe. I mean, he's, that's the that's the goal. I would say. I mean, the, I, I, the, I just, I just don't think that's a very. It didn't. It wasn't a. It may be the goal, but I don't think it works. For me, I understand that it works mm-hmm. for you, but I no, I, no, just that's found fine, it, yeah. I just yeah. found it to be um, precious to the point of painful. Mm. And there is, I mean, don't get me wrong about Belfast. There is, of course, that magical moment where cinema brings everyone together, which Hollywood I, loves. Which made me roll my eyes so hard. They're still kind of stuck. <laughs> well, okay. So just to, and before we get into your picks, because I, I do yeah. want to get a couple of your picks, uh, Barbara. I want to get your will win, should win, and snub. But uh, just before we go into that, just to give you guys an idea of where I stood on the two films we just discussed, uh, the 10 Best Picture nominees, I have Licorice Pizza ninth, and I have Belfast mm. fourth. So on my personal mm. list of I would, the Best Picture I would nominees. At, at bare minimum, flip that. Wow. Oof. Okay. I mean, can we all agree that... <laughs> Can we all agree that Don't Look Up deserves to be at the very bottom? Um, yes, I, I can be, I can be with I you think on so that, too. actually. Yeah. You were nicer to Don't Look Up than I was. I gave I was I gave nicer. It worse, very much I, nice. gave, I gave it worst film of the year. That's yeah. my, my take. I'll give it worst but, of those 10, like but it. not worst of the year. So. Yeah. But uh, so, okay. So um, our picks will have already been revealed by the time this episode comes out. Uh, but let's just focus on... 
Uh, and you don't have to do all of these if you don't want to, but uh, just let's just look at some of the heavy hitters, best picture, director, actor, all the acting categories. Like what are, what are some ones you think will win, whether you want them to or not, Will Smith, uh, or that should win, uh, or uh, what, what were some that you think got snubbed that should have been at least nominated? Um, I'm starting. Um, no, we're, we're doing it on our own show. We want to get your opinion. Oh, we're just, you just want my opinion. Okay. So, yes, um, yes. you know, for, for best picture, I mean, still my favorite, I, the only one I haven't seen yet, I'm going to be seeing it soon is drive my car. So with the caveat that I've not seen drive my car, which I understand to be quite good. Um, oh, you'll love it. You'll love it. I know. I know. I, I really mm-hmm. loved, I still really love the power of the dog. I would be delighted if that one best picture, if I wanted to go a little bit more mainstream, um, I would love for West Side Story to win. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, Me too. Nice. I, I really, really loved West Side Story. And I was convinced, like, that was the movie when I saw it in the theater, I walked out and said, well, there's the Best Picture winner. And then nobody fucking saw it. So I don't know what <laughs> its chances reasonably mm. are now. Um, oh, you know, you say that, and I'm going to interrupt real quick. That is the thing. And this is the feeling I haven't got from a Spielberg movie in a long time. Yeah. I haven't got from a movie in a long time. Sometimes there's just movies that come out where from the opening second, like mm-hmm. the opening sequence of West Side Story, I was like, mm-hmm. holy shit, this is a mm-hmm. good effing movie. And Spielberg mm-hmm. is back. Like it just it it felt great from the beginning. It felt like a best I, picture. I would say of all the movies that are nominated, that one had the most like just pure movie magic. Like, oh, oh yes, definitely. this is why no I love question. going to the movies. So I would be beyond and I'm a I'm a very unapologetic Spielberg fangirl, like I'm sure Good. um That's why I, we love I, you. That's why we love you. <laughs> <laughs> I, am I, too. No, I know it's not cool and I have no shame. It would nothing would make me happier if he won if that won Best Picture and he won Best Director, which I, I know is not gonna happen. But yeah. That's that would be my dream is to see that happen. Um, you know, as far as as far as snubs go, I would have loved to have seen literally anything from Pig get a nomination. I would have loved to see Nicolas Cage get nominated for Best Actor. I mean, I'm not an idiot. I know it's not going to get a Best Picture nomination, but if Nicolas Cage could have gotten something, that would have been nice. I also really liked the movie Red Rocket a ton, which mm, took me by yeah, surprise, sure. and I would have liked to have seen Simon Rex get nominated for something, which I can't believe I'm saying that, but here we are. <laughs> um, wow. Yeah. Yeah, that's okay. awesome. Um, just while you're here, I wanted to get your thoughts. Now, West Side Story was both my number one best picture, but also my number one film of the year. Mm-hmm. Um, but my number two uh, is also my number two in best picture and number two of the year was Nightmare Alley. Did you get a chance to see Nightmare Alley? I did get a chance to see Nightmare Alley. I will be I, polite. I, and I'm scared. Now. I'm scared of that response. Okay. Remember the Never Cooper mind. thing. Moving on. Moving you know on. Where this is gonna go. Let me say this about Nightmare Alley. It was really beautiful. There's a lot mm-hmm. in it that I like. I think Kate Blanchett mm-hmm. yeah. is just a force mm-hmm. to be reckoned with. I think it's a very mm-hmm. gorgeous film. It feels, it feels very... It's like looking at an incredibly, beautifully, exquisitely made snow globe for two and a half hours. Mm. I'm good. I'm how good. I that feel. Wonderful. Um, it gets. It gets. It gets a little old after hour one. 
Uh, I took my I took my daughter to see it because I, I needed to go and I didn't have a babysitter and it was like ten thirty at night and I had to finally see it because like West Side Story it was like dropping from movie theaters left and right like I I couldn't right, find right. it you so, didn't have long yeah yeah one one night I just said okay sweetheart I I'm sorry but it's ten thirty at night we got to go to the movies I got to see Nightmare Alley maybe you'll like it <laughs> you know she was asleep she was asleep within thirty minutes like and I was sitting there like just loving it but. All right, so we've got we've actually talked about every nominee except for um, Nightmare Alley and Drive My Car. No, but but also I, I know me and Barbara have kind of the same feelings on Dune. What were your thoughts on Dune? G- gorgeous and emotionally bereft. That's that's Perfect exactly what I said on my on our review here. I, I mm-hmm, think it's mm-hmm. uh, and, and you know you you brought something up earlier in the show, or maybe we talked about this outside of the recording. Um, but, and this is happening right now with the Batman, um, is everything's the greatest thing ever made now. And I think like, you know what I mean? Like, like, I I just, I worry that some of these movies, like, you know, we talked about this last year on our Oscar show, like Nomadland was fine. Like Mm -hmm. I thought it was a fine movie. Like Mm -hmm. Dune, I thought was fine, but I almost feel like there's so much discourse of like, uh, you know, like Belfast is the most heartfelt movie ever made, and 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 uh, Dune is the greatest science fiction tale ever told. And you know, you know what I mean? Like, I think it propels Hyper- these things. hyperbole cells, man. Yeah, Unfortunately, that's the low hanging fruit of every writer and headline maker in America. They got but tickets I, to move in a pandemic. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, I that mean, too. but I but I think like it propels. I'm not. I don't want to say mediocre because. Technically, Dune is an astonishing work. I mean, mm-hmm. it should. I know. I know. Yeah, technically, I know. Don thinks it might not even win more than two. I think it'll sweep. I think it'll be like the Mad Max Fury Road of this year to win all the technical Ooh. stuff. All the technical, um, yeah. maybe. But yeah, and, that's, and, that's, and I'm okay with that because I think the visuals are stunning. But I, I really think there's a lot of these. Like, I mean, as much as I defend King Richard and Will Smith, and I defend. I'll defend Coda. I ranked it fifth out of the 10 of the best pitchers. I, I really think there's this push of mediocrity that's getting pushed to the top because of that hyperbole. And it, it kind of yeah. drives me nuts because I'm just kind of like, like when you look at this field, like when I was putting my list together today, cause after I saw night, uh, after I saw licorice pizza, I was like, okay, I guess I'll rank these. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, I mean, one, the next two, layer. three, the One, next two, layer of this is yeah. that term recency bias that happens every two, 14 seconds where here we talked about parasite earlier where you know when parasite came out I, you know it deservedly got its place on many year-end best lists but the fact that we were what was it 2019 it started to like top people's best of the decade list i'm like oh, okay mm-hmm. pump the fucking brakes you know like let's give it a year you know, <laughs> or maybe maybe reevaluate it. You know, in in some time. But when it started to show up on best of the decade list after um, two weeks of release, I'm like, all right, now we're just fishing for bullshit well, here. As so. somebody who works, as somebody who works in media, I can also yeah. let spill that when that stuff shows up, you know, and you're like, fuck you, it's only been like three months. Why is this already on this list? Because of SEO. Because of search engine optimization yeah. and because of headlines, right. so like a lot of it it's is true. just manufactured bullshit to get people to click on it. 
Yep, I know, I know, I know. There are writers and critics, peers of mine who not that make, I do uh, manufactured bullshit. That's all right. People that click on it, tap yeah. that. But I'm just saying, as somebody who works in media <laughs> and who yeah. like, I can, you know, I know what. Oh no, goes I know on exactly what you the mean. Scenes, yeah, but like, you know, if everybody's talking about Parasite and you've got a best of the, you know, decade, a best of the century movie list coming out, and mm-hmm. everybody's still talking about Parasite, guess what ends up on the list? Parasite. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Now here, here's a question I want to get. It's really good. It is good. No, good. Just, yeah, it's very good. Now here's here's a question that I'm scared to ask. Barbara. Oh boy, I love it already. Because I don't. I've tried to feel you out on this stuff, and sometimes I get a good response, and sometimes I don't. So I'm not sure. And you know me as the Marvel shill. Oh. Okay. <laughs> do you? I'm sorry think, in advance, Barbara. Do you think that something like Spider-Man deserves like a Best Picture nomination <laughs> because of its? Am I giggling? I'm sorry. No, I, I'm serious. Because of like its cultural impact. It's SEO no, for I don't TV think that's what the Oscars. So I don't think. No, I don't think that's what the Oscars are for. That's what I the agree. box office is for. Yep. I guess what the People's Choice Awards are for because it has a billion dollars. Yes. That's what the People's Choice Awards are for. That's what the MTV Movie Awards are for. That's what the Nickelodeon's Kids Choice Awards are for. Not the damn Oscars. Right. Get that so shit if you want to give, like, so if they give, if they give, for example, Power of the Dog or Licorice Pizza or what have you, Best Picture, you don't need to be bitter about it because Spider-Man: No Way Home made a billion dollars yeah. and everybody saw it. Power of the Dog exactly. made. I don't even know. Maybe I don't think it made optimistically money. Yeah. 10, 15, 20 million dollars at I'd the be most. Stunned if it made that. But does that I'm create just being optimistic? No, no, no. And does but does that create a artistic divide that shouldn't exist? Because I think oh, there are you're... people that literally say it made a lot of money, therefore it does not have artistic value on the, the level of the asking, Oscars. If you're, if you're asking if this makes the Oscars elitist, yes, the Oscars are elitist, but that's part of what makes everybody it's, want a fucking Oscar. To be. It's because Thank that's you. what they yeah. are. I get you. I get you. The okay, but I'm just, I, I just thought I'd bring it up because they, the Oscars themselves are struggling with that identity. It's their own fault of a shitty show. It's a shitty show. And the thing is, if they gave, even if they gave Spider-Man an Oscar, they're trying to, right? They're, that's what they're yeah. doing with the fan choice thing is they're trying <laughs> right. to wedge Spider-Man in there. The ratings are still going to fall because yes, they're pissing absolutely. off the people who actually care about the Oscars by cutting mm-hmm. eight categories and making exactly. the Oscars less Oscarsy. So they're trying to trick non-Oscars people into watching the Oscars. They can give Spider-Man as many awards as they want. It's not going to trick non-Oscars people into watching it. I agree. I just, I just, uh, I guess oh, here's just, the other thing. You're also yeah. pushing the idea of pushing mediocrity. You know, when you do that and everything is the best and everything's amazing, or on the other end of the hyperbole, when you mm-hmm. label everything that you don't want to like trash, every 14 sure. seconds for the same sure. SEO. Now you have these people who I hate to judge audiences in this way, but I'm going to say it. You have these people who don't know, don't know, or don't have taste because they either get trash or they get masterpiece and they don't know what either one of them tastes like. I know, but I just, I, I guess it's my defensive nature because my defensive nature, because everything I've ever loved entertainment wise has always been considered trash, heavy metal yeah. music, comic books, yeah. Guilty Super pleasures are wonderful. That's why they're but good. I don't that, see. Know? I don't agree with the, the term guilty pleasure. I actually, oh, I actually there, think. See, I think right a lot there. of the, you're talking about mediocrity. I actually think a lot of these films are genuinely artistic, and I, I don't. Oh no, no, they're yes, but they're, my, 
but they that's have my struggle with that's my struggle with the Oscars. Like, I think we talked about at the beginning of the show. It's like I hate that they'll like focus on you know primarily one genre. I mean, we, we've talked about the Oscars have mm-hmm. virtually no fantasy representation, no uh, barely mm-hmm. any sci-fi, yeah. no horror, like you know stuff like that. But then, mm-hmm. yeah, I'll take like a Black Panther nomination, and be like, yeah, you know what I mean? Like, so well, look, I, I told you genre. that I, I told you that I am a Spielberg fangirl. I'm a diehard, it died yeah. in the wall Spielberg fangirl. He has mm-hmm. won his Oscars for the serious adult movie Schindler's List and Saving yep. Private Ryan. He has not won his Oscars for the action adventure film Indiana nope. Jones. E. He has not won his Oscar Jones. for uh, E.T., yeah. Close Encounters of the Third Kind. My favorite movies from Steven Spielberg, Close Encounters of the Third Kind and AI. They didn't get you know anywhere well, close but, to getting the Oscars for Best Picture. But, so he's somebody who's known Jurassic Park for fuck's sake, right? He's somebody who's right. known for doing this amazing, groundbreaking, just completely like life-changing genre work. And it's not the genre work that gets celebrated. It's So I feel you. I don't think... I think but you're he, correct that there's yeah. a lot of like that that genre is not well represented by the Oscars. I think that's totally correct. I don't think but to the go back to, to that is throw Oscars at Spider-Man right. No Way Home to trick people. No, no, I, 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 no, and I agree. To go back to your the, point, Barbara, but yeah. to go back to your point, Spielberg gets to Spielberg is one of those lucky people who gets both. He's been right. he's been given prestige awards, love, and he's made the billions of dollars. Well, like, keep in mind, Raiders of, Raiders of the Lost Ark was nominated for Best Picture, by the way. But, I um, no, but I'm saying it's not what wins, though. You know, oh no, no, sure, sure, it, but it's not what wins. I, I, what, I, what I guess what I'm saying is, and the reason why I'm defending Spider Man, the reason why I bring it up is, yeah, yeah, like if you're telling me like you know Thor six, I, I'm not going to be like, yeah, put that up for Best Picture, like. I'm talking about a film, and, and we've seen this in Oscar history. I mean, like, Titanic, I think, is a great film. Uh, I don't think it's the best film of 97, but it was such a, it had such a cultural impact. It had the art and the commerce with it that they couldn't help but make it best picture, even though, if, yeah. like, for me, L.A. Confidential is a better film. Yeah, but um, Spider-Man but, doesn't have the art. No, I, 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 I totally, <laughs> I totally, totally disagree with you, 100%. I mean, you, it, has, you, it has art, but it doesn't have the Oscar-level art. See, I don't agree because it's connecting with people. I mean, there are people around... And cinematography the, doesn't connect with people. So the Sorry. cinematography... Okay, this, this, okay, this, Nickelback! Nickelback connected with people. <laughs> Thank you. Okay, are we seriously comparing Thank Spider-Man you. to Nickelback now? No, are we talking about one of the most... When you invoke Nickelback. (laughs) No, no, no. Okay, yeah, some films don't have brilliant cinematography. We just talked about (laughs) Dune. We just talked about Dune is a beautiful-looking movie with no emotions. Spider-Man may not have the great cinematography, but it has all the emotions. No, no, no. no. And hey, all you got to do in all these categories you're talking about is count to fucking five. Name five films with better camera work than Spider-Man. Name five films but with better costumes than Spider-Man. Of, but that's not that's the part fucking, of the fucking Oscars, Will. The five best things of the year, at, as best as we can vote. And Spider-Man doesn't have it. It's great. It gets its millions, and it's wonderful. It's a, And you hear me do this all the time. It's a favorite versus best thing. And it is a number one, unquestioned favorite of the masses that doesn't make it the best. I just I We're here voting agree. for the best. No, no, I can't agree because I just, I just feel like something that impacts the culture that way has to be honored in some way. Did because it it's not just the culture that it, way. It, because it does I'm not by making billions. Spider-Man. It does by making billions, but I'm not seeing yeah. a broader cultural impact from Spider-Man: No Way Home other than no. making a shitload of money. Where's yeah. the impact? Uh, making us feel good in the pandemic. What, whoop de do? We're not. People I, aren't crying in their seats. Titanic. Titanic. But that's not me saying. I'm not saying 
that it's not good. And I'm not, I'm, that's great, not me film. Yeah. No Way Home. Same here. I'm just saying, you're saying it, 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 it made an impact. What impact other than money? There's no Oscar for best emotional film, Will. I'm sorry. Or, or if there is, it's called Best Picture. And that's the one place it has a shot. And then here we have a watered down field of 10. So, no. I, I don't know. I just, I like to, not only do I defend the genre, but I also defend the oh, concept no. of, I defend the concept that something that moves people is the art of cinema, is the art of what a best picture is. Yes, but we, that's we, my we break argument. That, but we break that into categories. I'll give you, I'll give you score for Spider-Man. I'll give you costume design for Spider-Man. I'll even throw you a cute bone of Defoe in supporting actor. And that's it. I'd go Nothing Guardians of the Galaxy. I sure shit would have given it a, a nomination for best picture above Don't Look Up at the bare minimum because woof. Now we're talking. That's what I'm saying. No, no, I'm not saying. Being reporters can get out of there too. You know? I'm not saying it should win. I'm just saying that I feel that. Yes, but you're looking for more. That you want more than best picture. No, and I that, don't. That, I, I want it, it to be. I want it to. I want the Oscars to better reflect the culture more than With just tokenism. Specific but that's things. not what the Oscars exactly. Do. No, right. and I, but we, we both that, that's why I'm so frustrated because we just agreed genre is underrepresented, race is underrepresented at the Oscars for God's sake. So it, everything's uh, underrepresented at the Oscars. So, yes. but you know what isn't underrepresented the Oscars? The best films of the year, and you make <laughs> make one of those, make one of those, and you're in. Well, according to according to Barbara, most of these films aren't worthy of that honor. Uh, the, oh I, no! I ever like since it, the Oscars expanded like to. <laughs> yeah, ever ever since the Oscars expanded to this up to ten more than five thing, you've immediately yeah, watered down shit. the field. You have, yeah, you're you're it's you're throwing token things to make people like you happy and make little cinephiles happy on both ends. You know, like in any other both? year. What if you're both? What if you're both a cinephile and a fanboy? But then, then there the, would not be in here. That's a fanboy pick. No, no, exactly. I totally, no, I totally, have no chance. I totally agree. No, I totally agree with you because I recently posted my top. I did the top ten best pictures, and then I did my top ten of the year. Yeah, and yes, there are. Let's see, one, two, three, four, four best picture nominees on my list. Yeah, my this is an easy field years. to handicap. The the, the, the no, no, top so five are the I, obvious. I totally get that. I, I, I yeah. guess what I'm just saying is, is like, do you think that? I mean, you guys have already said it doesn't deserve it. And that's fine. I, I, I just, I look at it differently. I, I just wish it was looked at differently because I'm always going to defend genre. Sure. And I'm always going to defend the cultural and, response to something. You know, well, I mean, for me, it's micro and macro. Like, I, I, I want what you want, Will. I want genre and horror and things to be recognized, but find the spots to recognize them and it can't always be the brass ring best picture like when black panther won costumes a few years ago and i know it won several oscars when it won it but like for costumes it to win cool. in the place where it won it proved itself as as score. the art that you're looking for and score wonderful as well like the places it won it deserved it because it did something more Production than just design. yeah it did something more than just the norm and unfortunately because of how popular they are we've got a bit of the norm going on and we oh, are sure. I, I, understand, yeah. I understand that but like yeah if you have but here's the thing like i said my example of thor six versus spider-man the fact mm -hmm. that people despite the fact that you know a month before that people were still not going to theaters and suddenly you're packed every night for weeks yeah. 
and people are responding to the material, even though that genre as it currently exists, I mean, it's been around since the eighties, but, but there's not a category for that. Will. I understand. I just wanted to the know there's an MTV movie word for it. <laughs> yes. There's an MTV I, movie word for it. There's some slime and some Nickelodeon awards for it. Enjoy those. See, that to me, that just feels elitist. And I hate elitism. I just, when you want, thank you. When you want the best, you have to bring the best in. And 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 de- de- declare the best, try for the best, politic the best, and that's yeah. I'm sorry, that's why we want them. We want we want something to stand out and be the best that we all measure things up against, whether we like it or not. And elitist is the yeah. That's the role it's going to play. I'm with Barbara in this one. Yeah, but that's been my ballyhoo for ever since that um, critic Uh-oh. who will remain nameless uh, body shamed me for liking Ooh. superhero films. Was that Barbara? I, no, I well because essentially. Oh, this, I know who you mean on this. Th- okay, this, yeah, yeah. This film critic said because, by the way, Marvel's existed since technically the 1940s, so it's not just the MCU. Correct. But basically, this, this film critic said, "Well, you're branded. You have the logo on your leg, so you're not a." She basically said, "Because I'm branded with the logo, I don't have a honest or true opinion on this as art." So since that has happened, I've written articles about it. I've been Mm -hmm. very defensive about it. I guess I just get sensitive to the elitism because, like I said, I've been told my entire life that everything that I love is not worthy of something. And I like the Oscars. And, yeah, that is what the Oscars are. And that, But that has also been why I guarantee you go on Twitter or something, people say the Oscars are bullshit because – it is yeah. not a true representation. You're people saying it's just the best. The, people have always said the Oscars are bullshit since time immemorial. Is, if they gave yes. Spider-Man No Way Home an Oscar, even more people would be saying the Oscars are bullshit. Correct. <laughs> oh, sure. Well, no, people said that. People said that when Black Panther was nominated. I get that. I get that. I, I guess what I'm just saying is, is I, I wish there was a little bit of a. And whether you agree on the personal merits of Spider-Man itself, I guess mm-hmm. I understand what you're saying. You might be saying, hey. It's a mediocre film. You're pr- you're trying to get that best picture for like a purpose or something. Like I, I get that. I actually think the film is excellent. Uh, you know. Um, no, no. Uh, hey, I, I'm I, with I, you on I, excellent. I just yeah, no, can't. I, it's not excellent in Oscar ways. Wait, wait. Let, no, no, let me, uh, let me yeah. take this. Wait, wait, wait. Let me take this away from Spider-Man: No Way Home for a second. Let's do a wider view of the MCU. Yeah. Okay. We we're going to make this argument sure. that you were, if you could, like, go back and 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 go through time and correct one wrong and give one MCU film a real best picture shot at the Oscar, which one would mm. that have been? I mean, not counting black Panther. Cause it did get nominated. Are we talking about another film in the I mean, MCU? Did straight win well, it or I mean, get I'm nominated? Just asking your, I'm just asking your opinion. Well, win or nominated. I'm just asking your opinion. Yeah. I mean, I know well, I mean, it's, did, but like, what would you have picked? Right, right. Well, I mean, especially considering what beat black Panther for best picture, I would, prefer black Panther over that. Um, the only one I can think of going with my thesis is Endgame, just because of the, Ooh. because of that. Um, do I like other MCU films more than that? Yes. But like mm-hmm. I said, I, I look at it from that cultural perspective. The fact that, I mean, people I, were buying tickets 40 days. in. I mean, I bought sure. my tickets 40 days in advance. That movie made more money than anything in history. And I know that that's the money. I bought tickets like 40 days in advance to episode one of Star Wars. Yeah, well, yeah. right. Well, let's not compare those, but yeah. no, no, I know what, you, I know what you're saying. Saying. no, 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 I know, but 
I guess to, to go with my thesis of it, and I'm not saying it should have won, but I'm just mm-hmm. saying in terms of what cinema is to me, which is I go down and have a feeling I've never had, I mean, I've had a couple interesting drunken movie nights in college, you know, Kevin Smith films. I've had some loud, you know, I was high in college. I mean, I remember Freddie versus Jason. I had a great time in the crowd, but I've never had a communal experience like I had with the audience for Endgame. And All to right. me, that is what cinema is. It is an experience you oh, have with yeah. people. All right, that's what I'll, movies I'll, are. That's what movies yes. are supposed to be. Yes, but, but that's not what an Oscar winner is from time to time. Now, don't get me wrong. I'll grant you this, Will. The Oscars have caved for very for some populist choices that were more for the masses and in big event films that that were able to check enough artistic boxes to have enough cred to go there. You can go to Titanic. You can go to Lord of the Rings. You can go back to Rocky. You know, the, don't you those say things anything ha- about Lord of the Rings, dog. <laughs> Shut the fuck don't up. You, don't no. you say a fucking <laughs> thing about Lord of the Rings. Yeah, don't it, you besmirch Lord, Lord, Lord of the Rings. Lord of the Rings is lucky 03 was a weak year. Simple as that. <laughs> Your okay? mom's a weak year. Get out of here. <laughs> she is a weak year. 51 was <laughs> do terrible. Not, do not besmirch. But what I'm Rings. saying is. It's a masterpiece. Hey, I don't want to hear your garbage. <laughs> no, but every now and then. You do get this. I like I say with favorite and best. Every now and then you get a magical movie that can have a little tighter Venn diagram where there's a bit of both going on, where there is artistic and critical merit at the same time as you have audience appeal. It's rare, but it happens. Um, to go to Barbara's question, the only movie MCU movie I think had that kind of cachet to say it could be a bit of that is Black Panther, and none of the other ones are close. None of them. No, I, I we just look at we just look at things a little bit differently. But I understand what yeah. you're saying. I totally respect no, all of your opinions. All of I will ignore the episode one crack, <laughs> and I will. <laughs> I, that's the big part will, I will. But here's the thing. Here's here's the thing, and this is why I do the favorite versus best thing. All of those movies we're talking about and loving from MCU and otherwise, they will all last longer in every lexicon watering hole water cooler opinion love of hearts and passed down to generations all of those movies and their billions will last longer than every power oh, sure. of the dog no, every and- parasite every green book and that's that is their reward they will have legacies that are historic longer and glorious and celebrated well, and, and and if i was truly it's worth a- more than any gold fucking statue and an asterisk in a right book. but do you at least this is the other thing i fight with do you at least see kind of the point that i'm making as it's not no. a blind fanboy <laughs> thing because because if Barbara i hear said blind that, fanboy i'm sorry i hear blind so that's insane because then i would have been like well iron man because of this and uh captain america the winter soldier because of this like i wouldn't have and done that like if, i was if the show goes 15 minutes choice. longer we would have heard that <laughs> That's ridiculous. That's insulting. I'm not like that. I'm not a fanboy. Okay. I'm an honest critic. I yeah. honestly critique these things. On, you you ask the honest, question. Then you get, and then you got to honestly look at the category. And like I told you, count to five. There's you can five be things both an better. honest critic and a fanboy. Like, oh, you can totally. embrace both I, of them. Yeah. I'm just saying to Will, like, it is okay to say that you're a fanboy yes, if you are. Because I just said I'm a Spielberg fangirl. And I'm not very... I can be very illogical when it comes to um, mm-hmm. Steven Spielberg, and I have a hard time really taking him to task, even when a movie clearly sucks, like Ready Player One. Yeah. So yeah. <laughs> we, agree, we agree on that. Yeah, right, and Will, I, Will, I, I'm, I, no, Will, I'm, I'm soft there to, too. Those two things are yeah. diametrically opposed. Like you can be no, a no, no, no. Who who really tries their damn hardest? Yeah. 
to, to be honest with yourself yeah. and everybody else. And you can be a fanboy and it doesn't, you don't get excluded for being a critic. No, well, 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 I'm See, there too. Not, not in my experience Will. though. Not in my experience. But Will, because well, most, Will, people Will. Are, most people are stupid, Will. It's true. Huh. And we're now yeah. we're back to taste. Like Will, Will, <laughs> my number my number one in a week and a half is Coda. My number two is Belfast. And look where those are at compared to other people's likes, opinions, and values. Like I'm my have my weak points too. No, no. Well, you, now you're clarifying that I have a weak point. It's not a weak point, but I guess my point is... I have my soft my, spot. What do you want me to call it? That's better, that's better because no, okay, in, my, in my experience, people will say, oh, well, you're just like the person who said you have the brand, so you can't be you can't be legitimate. I have criticized plenty of Marvel films. Yeah. People had, I have been an honest critic with plenty of Marvel films. I, I Sure, I watch all the stuff, but like... Did I tell you that I loved Loki? No, I thought it was very flawed. I didn't like the What If series. Like, I, there's all kinds of stuff I don't like about what Marvel. I'm, and I what I'm it. hearing here, what I'm hearing here, Will, is that you need to learn not to give a fuck what other people. There we go. <laughs> I, Including not, your good friend uh, across the way named Barbara and your podcast partner named Don. Really, do you? All thing. right, fine. No, I, I, I get it. I get it. I just, I just. You impress us know. because we're all still here, Will. It's, don't worry. You talk. You talk about. You talk about the trauma you got from Bradley Cooper. I mean, I've mm. literally been told <laughs> since I was since I was three years old when I picked up a comic book that what I like is trash. So I'm a little yeah. sensitive to it. I'm a little yeah. sensitive to it, and I like to defend the art but, of it. And but I, what you all. liked, but what you like is now the large, like exactly look the where we've come, cultural force on the planet. Yeah, and, look where we've come. You won, and you did win. Yeah, <laughs> you did the win. nerds won, <laughs> and it's the best thing. Yeah, and I'm not. Saying, I guess. I'm not saying that I'm not saying that comic book movies are unworthy of Oscars. I, I vehemently disagree with that. I think all movies can be worthy of Oscars, and oh, that we yeah. do need to honor oh, more yeah. genre work. It's just mm. what rises to the level. Yeah. And okay. No, at, I, with I enough see time, that. I get that. I see. That. And with I enough time that. and with enough votes, the cream tends to rise to the top. It's rare that we get our green sure. books of the world. You know. No, it, no, no, sure. And I get that. And I, I, but also know that I vehem just as much as I defend Marvel in this. I, I defend horror films the same. You guys know as I'm you a should. horror junkie. I am a, a science fiction person. Yeah, Tony Collette should have had four Oscar nominations by now. Oh, Tony, well, it's amazing. Christ, the Tony Collette has does not is not swimming in fucking gold, man. Exactly. <laughs> you know, uh, like I mean, comedy. Oh my gosh, Mel Brooks should have writing Oscars by now. Yeah, it's crazy. Doesn't he? Doesn't he have? He's got at least a couple he's nominations. Got nothing. But he's, he's got some nominations, doesn't he? Yeah, because he's a producer. He's he's produced a lot of stuff. Mm -hmm. I'm, I, I mean, but no, I know, I know what you mean. Like there are there yeah, are yeah, actors yeah. that specialize yeah. in genre that are never recognized for. Right. No, no, uh, Mel Brooks. But you have one. you have that universal you have that universal consistency. Will where you're that guy where all it, it is all cinema and all of it should be celebrated. And because you come from that, that's place, my view. Just, yes, because you're coming from that place, you're doing just fine. And and just fact correcting real quick, Mel Brooks did win an Oscar for the producers. Right. Oh well, lucky guy. Okay. Yep. And he got <laughs> low, and all right. I I did not mean for this to go into that uh, realm. <laughs> no, it's all I guess right. look at the I wanted, bonus. I wanted here. Yeah. Yeah, I wanted Barbara's take on it because um, I know that – here's the other thing I want to hash out with you real quick. I, I was telling you that one of my favorite um, – you gave me a very ambiguous reply, but I was talking yeah. about <laughs> one of my favorite action-adventure genre heroes in terms of performance uh -oh. 
and everything I had told you was Chris Pratt from Guardians of the Galaxy, which I think I put up there with, I put up there with like, let's take Chris Pratt, the person out, whatever you want to think about Chris Pratt, the person, it's like Bradley Cooper, the person. Okay. Like I was really like emotionally attached to that character. And I, I love Indiana Jones. I love Han Solo. I love all that. Like it just reminded me of that kind of thing. And I remember you were kind of, I really like Guardians of the Galaxy. Let me let me, me backtrack to that. The original Guardians of the Galaxy is one of my favorite Marvel movies. So I do think it's a great movie. So obviously I want to hear he the butt that goes job. with it. No, obviously he did a good job. If yeah. it's one of my favorite Marvel movies, I didn't have an issue with it. I find him as mm-hmm. a person distasteful. Sure. No, I get Fair. that. And get so that. and so it's sort of to the extent that I am. I'm, I. I can't really give you. Uh, I can't give you an honest answer because I'm too. Um, mm. I. I okay. just. I'm. I'm telling you. I can't give you an honest answer. I. I. I do really like the original guard. It's one of my favorite. It'd be yeah. in the top five, top three of my favorite Marvel movies. Um, okay. So fair enough. I, yeah, he did yeah. a very good job. It's just. It's just. I. I dislike him acutely as a person. <laughs> well, we. We. Me and Don have talked about this before because I was showing. For example, I was showing my daughter Elliot Confidential, and mm-hmm. I know we're not supposed to like Kevin Spacey anymore, and I don't like him as a person either. But I just sat there the whole time, I was like, "God, he's so fucking good in this movie," you know. Like, and, and the thing with Kevin Spacey is that that cinema police is coming to get you, Bill. It really is. Yeah, I know. Eight twenty four is coming for you. No. Usually he plays a really hor he does a really good job of playing a really horrible person in a movie. So mm-hmm. you can still kind of watch a lot of Kevin Spacey movies and enjoy them because he's playing a like a yeah. serial killer or something <laughs> bad. Yeah. <laughs> well, Somebody yeah, who wants and- to fuck his daughter's so- teenage friends. So like, you know, usually you <laughs> Yeah, we we talked about that so too Chris with like Mel Gibson, huh? you know. So Mel so Gibson Chris- I just- I have a hard time when it's when it's somebody I dislike and they're playing the big damn hero, right? Yeah. It's Mel Gibson. I, no, I'm not comparing. I am not comparing no. Chris Pratt's Mel Gibson. I know it is not the same universe yeah, well, at all. Yeah, what is a very bad person? One I just disagree with. Yeah, but sure, um, sure, sure. But for but me, like, it's I have a, I have yeah, a hard time watching Mel Gibson movies because oh, I really dislike him and he's playing the big damn hero, and That's I true. I have a as much a very watered down version of that with Chris Pratt for Chris Pratt for me, for Chris Pratt for me, it's like the same doofus now with muscles. That's it. I don't think he's doing anything special. Like it's nice. He's got a nice part. His charm comes through, but it's the same. It's, but I told you, I I think the reason why I just think the reason why Marvel is so successful is because, I think the heroes are vulnerable and I thought he was very vulnerable in that role. And that's why I really love him in that because he's very, mm, how many action sci-fi, how many action sci-fi mega Hollywood films do you see at the end where the hero's crying is the last shot of that person? You don't see that very often. And that's why I I appreciated that role because Mm. the emotion is what came out of Guardians from him. I get it. He's closer to playing the, the shaggy puppy dog than say Bradley Cooper, you know. So mm-hmm. I get that, but sure. he he better not be Indiana Jones anytime soon, like everyone in the whole wide world. No, wants him no, to no, be. no, no, no. So, We've already so. seen that. Yeah, no, 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 no. Yeah, I agree. All right, let's be. While, okay, before we get into any other topics, I do want to thank you too because I went from. This reminds me of my therapy sessions where I go from <laughs> anxious. <laughs> I go from anxious and to the point where the therapist is like, "Okay, stop talking for a minute." Then I go from angry and indignant 
to, <laughs> oh, I see what you're, I see where you're coming from. So okay. this was like a therapy session for me. So I appreciate that you guys came out on top and said, we still love you, Will, even though you're a baby. Yeah. So I no, feel like, I yeah, no, I feel like I'm hitting your head from here. Yeah. Idiot. I think my, my therapy takeaway recommendation to you would be stop caring what other people think. I love it. I'm going to work on that. I'm going to work on that. Now, now you are not a therapist, though you have acted as one tonight. Where, where can we, where can we find your information? Uh, where can we reach you? Uh, what is your specific address? Social security number? No, all of that stuff. I just, what, what's, what, give us the Barbara experience so we can follow you on social medias and follow your, your work and, and just tell us a little bit about yourself so people can follow you. Yeah, well, I am entirely too much on Twitter, so you can always find me having a crisis of some sort there at Babs Van. Uh, you can read my thoughts on books, mostly, sometimes movies at USA Today. Um, and I think that's enough of me. That's enough of me. That's probably too okay. much of me. Okay. Yeah. Okay. She also manages to score really cool um sports tickets and doesn't invite me but Ooh. we'll we'll figure that out someday <laughs> i'm usually other people than usually the plus one of friends i know but don will agree with me on this one you tried to okay. say that well i have a journalist salary and i went yeah i have a teacher's salary good luck yep. with that one i beat you on we got to beat barbara in the, in the <laughs> yeah. neither of uh-huh. us neither of us are winning though no really. <laughs> harder but neither of us are winning <laughs> well that is that is an excellent show i'm sure mitch is gonna have a great time oh uh, yeah since we, since we talked about um licorice pizza and it devolved into uh, oh, my childhood oh. everything about my childhood <laughs> but um that's how it goes but anyways okay please everybody follow us on twitter at cinephile fit and on facebook at cinephile his fit podcast also find us both on letterboxd Thank you so much for your captive audience and social media participation. Cinephile Hissy Fit is a 25YL media podcast brought to you by RuminationsRadioNetwork.com. Please visit, rate, review, and subscribe. We are also on Rotten Tomatoes and the brand new Banana Meter, though if this episode comes out seven months from now, it might not be as brand new. If you enjoyed this show, Ruminations Radio Network has more where that came from with wonderful programs and interesting hosts. Our show and others are available on iTunes, Spotify, and anywhere you find your favorite podcasts. 